You are now listening to the Tackling the Premier League podcast with your host, Big Daddy Sosa 17. Alongside me, I got J Sub the Boob Suber, BJ the Germathon.com Jackson. Fellas, we're back. We got another special edition episode where we're going to update you on those races we presented to you last week. Same kind of ordeal. But we've played another game week, so we've got to break down those games and present to you the evidence of why we think each team is going to end where. Uh, first of all, fellas, the weather's starting to warm up a little bit here stateside. I know it's getting a little a little bit better. Some cold nights, some warm nights. Fellas, how how, how are we feeling? How are we, how are we living? This weather right now is the worst for me and my allergies, where it's cold in the morning and hot as all get out in the afternoon. So not the best for me. Oh, I'm not- absolutely loving it it feels great here yeah same here it's like 70 in the afternoon and 38 when i wake up in the morning it's it's definitely a big swing but it's it's doable and and it's definitely nice to see summer is upon us only bad thing about summer well good and bad thing about summer bad thing is there's no premier league we got to keep up with transfer stories and we got to keep up with all that the good news is, is we're getting down to the crunch time into the season, and you know it's time for trophies to be started handed out. But today, the Premier League dropped a bomb on us. There actually is going to be Premier League football this summer. Not that it, it won't mean anything. It'll just be friendlies. But it'll be stateside as well, the tackling the Premier League family. If you're based stateside, the Premier League is bringing their teams, six of them, and they're playing a total of, they're playing nine matches stateside. So... Hit that follow button, like and subscribe. We'll update you about those games, and we might even cover them for you just so we can have something to do this summer because we'll be hella bored. But we'll start, I guess, where we always start, at the pinnacle of the table, and that there sits Arsenal still. Uh, they faced Liverpool this past weekend in what was a highly anticipated matchup. Arsenal and Liverpool, known big rivals. Arsenal steps into Anfield. Liverpool only have lost one time this season in Anfield. Uh, and that was two leads United. Arsenal looking to make that twice, and they went up 2-0 early, didn't they, guys? Yeah, it was a great showing in the first 30 minutes for Arsenal. Absolutely. They dominated the, the possession of the ball. They dominated the majority of the traffic. I think Liverpool only really had one chance, uh, and they were able to get two goals uh, coming from Gabriel Martinelli, a little toe poke. Don't ever let your coaches tell you not to hit it with your toe because Gabriel Martinelli showed you that that you can do that. That came in the eighth minute. Um, and then Gabriel Jesus finished off a brilliant move, which was also a really great pass from Odegaard to, to send Martinelli in, in through to then cross to Gabriel Jesus in the 28th minute to put uh, Arsenal up 2-0, dominating this game uh, until a moment. And I, I think we got to talk about the moment. In the 41st minute, uh, Granite Xhaka and Trent Alexander-Arnold got into it. Uh, which seemed to be a discussion and argument about a, a late challenge, and and that really livened up the Anfield crowd and got and got Liverpool a, a lit a fire under Liverpool and lit a fire under the fans. Uh, for only a minute later, Mohamed Salah to draw Liverpool one back right before the break in the 42nd minute. Mistake from Xhaka here, but w- was this the moment for you guys where the tide turned towards Liverpool's favor in the in the game? It obviously helped Liverpool. Um, uh, yeah, I would. I, I guess I would say the tide turned in. It sucks that it happened. Uh, Grant Jaka should have just walked away, in my opinion. He has to know that that situation, the fans are going to get behind the player and get rowdied up and everybody. I mean, last time it happened, uh, 
last time we were doing pretty good at Anfield a couple of years ago, last year, it was when Arteta got into a scuff with um, Klopp and all the fans got behind Klopp and Liverpool took over the game after that. It's kind of what happens when you go to play at Liverpool. Yeah, waking up that Anfield crowd is something that you really don't want to do as we saw this past weekend. Because they were quiet. I mean, they were absolutely – they were silent and Arsenal dominated the game. I mean, Arsenal looked on top of it. Um, and then that moment and then Salah's goal and then halftime came and there was a feeling amongst everyone around that, you know, Liverpool could make something happen. Uh, a couple changes. changes. Uh, Liverpool brought on Thiago who looked back to his own Thiago. So – I mean, this guy is just brilliant in keeping the ball, and he made he made some of those plays there. You just they don't show up on the score sheet, but him keeping the ball under such heavy pressure is just class. They also switched uh, Jota for Nunes, Darwin Nunes, who who brought a little bit more pace and energy to the team. Uh, I really think the the biggest substitution they made was uh, the Roberto Firmino for Fabinho, and I say that not only because he scored the uh, the most important goal of the game, the one that tied the game. Uh, but he also changed how Liverpool played, and Arteta responded by uh, pulling Odegaard and putting on a new, uh, another center back, a young center back who, by the way, played well. But uh, and then he also uh, took off Gabriel Jesus and Leandro Trossard. Because I brought it up in our conversations, I'll get your opinions on it now that we're talking about it. This completely changed this Arsenal team. Now, they were struggling, uh, but I feel like this took the air out of their tires, and here's why. Odegaard connects the back line to the front line. And Gabriel Jesus was one of the best people, one of the best forwards holding the ball up. After that, I don't think Arsenal connected uh, a string of more than seven passes. I mean, it was so difficult difficult for Arsenal to get out of their own box. They went from a normal four-back system to a three-back system, and, and they just looked uncomfortable. They they looked uncomfortable, and, and, and it showed on the field. You think we were being too cautious bringing on uh, that much defending? Um, too cautious? I wouldn't say too cautious. I would say I, th- I think he – it's difficult, but I think he changed the system too much. I mean, how many times have you seen Arsenal play in a three-back system this year? Here's the, here's the thing. The damage was already done in that second half. We were not controlling the game at all. We weren't going to start controlling the game when we made those subs at the 80th minute. No subs would have helped us control the game. Keeping Odegaard on, stuff like that. We weren't going to control the game for those last 10 minutes anyways. So I think the best solution was to do what Arteta did, was to bring on five at the back and try to defend. It was tough. I mean, yeah, he did made a, I think he should have brought on Tyranny instead of uh, and taking off Janzinko instead of leaving Janzinko on. If we're going to sit back, you need a player that is more defensive. Tyranny, he can help with that press resistance, but, I mean, not Tyranny, Janzinko can help with that press resistance, but Tyranny is just so much better of a 1v1 defender. As you can see, it came um, into effect with that goal at the end. Uh, it was uh, Janzinko there at the back post, really. So Yeah, I got mad, yeah. I mean, I just so, think that I think that instead of instead of bringing on a third center back, which Ar- Arsenal aren't comfortable playing in. I mean, they have no experience playing in a three back system. They haven't played in one, and and they don't know their individual responsibilities. And it makes it very difficult for everyone on the field when you don't know what your responsibilities are in the formation. I think he could have. I think he could have brought Odegaard off and maybe brought in Jorginho, who is very very good under pressure at keeping the ball. And then yeah, a double, but we would, a we would have to, we we need the ball to bring on uh, Jorginho. We need to have the ball. We weren't ha- we weren't having any of the ball. He would have well, got you up with his with his pace I, in that midfield. It, he would have got destroyed. 
Yeah, no, I kind of agree that uh, Jorginho's pace just isn't there anymore. I mean, me personally, I probably would have left on Odegaard as he's been really one of the only ones, or probably him and Kevin De Bruyne are far out the two best as far as linking the midfield to the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball. And taking him off, as we saw with that pass from Martinelli into Saka, if that's Odegaard, he makes that pass and uh, Arsenal wins. Yeah, that's very true. And I think also, to back to the point, I mean, he, he brought off Gabriel Jesus and brought on Trussard, and Trussard was not the right call because, again, you need the ball for for Trussard to be on the field because he's not going to win it and hold it up. And, and Jesus, obviously, you're trying to protect him because he's fresh back from injury and he looked like he was doing a little bit of limping. But um, there's yeah, criticism. Jesus, Jesus was never going to play a full game. I could have right. told you that. There's criticism from 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 that you can give to Arteta. But at the end of the day, I mean, what's done is done. I think done. he made the right decision. We were never going to dominate the game because we were not dominating the game to begin with. Keeping Odegaard on and stuff like that, it wasn't going to help anything. He needed to go defensive and try to win the game and keep the lead. He had to. I think it was the only thing. But uh, overall, BJ, you know, after Mo Salah's uh, 42nd-minute goal, are you happy with the 2-2 draw? Um... Um, no, I'm happy with the 2-2 draw when we uh, gave up the penalty and I thought Mo Salah was going to bag that and run away with it. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, that and Ramsdale saving it off the line. Yeah, Ramsdale with and a couple I called, of I called holding making one mistake in the game, by the way. I called that. A couple uh, couple really good Ramsdale saves towards the end kept them, uh, kept it even at 2-2. Uh, what, what brilliant goalkeeping that was. Uh, and, and Arsenal get out of there with a point. Uh, which currently leaves the five points ahead of Man City in the table, having played one extra game. Uh, Man City still have that game in hand, but uh, the majority of their games will be played later in the season as they're currently in a Champions League tie and an FA Cup tie, so they'll be missing a couple weekends coming up. Uh, we moved to the second place Manchester City's game. Uh, Manchester City faced Southampton this weekend. Uh, guys, this was a pretty good one up until about right at halftime. Uh, obviously, Man City were dominating, and and playing very well, but in the 45th minute, uh, Kevin De Bruyne finds Erling Holland to uh, put Man City up 1-0 right at halftime. Just deflates the St. Mary's crowd. Just deflates all of Southampton, because now they have to build a game plan to come out in the second half and chase the game. And anytime you're trying to chase the game against Man City, it's never really a good option, is it? No, it is. Yeah, that goal that goal sealed the game up right there. As soon as they got the goal right before half, I knew it was over. There's no chance that Southampton was going to make it a game after that. Jason, what you think of the first half performance? I mean, it was tough going. Uh, seemed like we just needed to uh, push our foot on the gas a little bit more as I think we only had like three attempts up until about the 40th minute. But, I mean, to get that first goal and then get going after that is really what we needed. Coming out in the second half, uh, 58th minute, Jack Grealish, a man who's who has come a long way this season and, and really showed himself as a player. He uh, doubles Manchester City's lead uh, only for Erling Holland just 10 minutes later to triple Man City's lead with what was a uh, <laughs> just a very, very interesting goal, huh? Yeah, and yet he only scores tap-ins. 
Can you describe that goal for us, Justin, how you saw it? It was a cross from the edge of the box all the way through to Holland on the other side. And um, what was it? Kind of a half scissor kick, half almost bicycle. Uh, we'll, call it, we'll call it an acrobatic volley. Yeah, very acrobatic. Um, most strikers don't score that goal, plain and simple. It was definitely it was definitely a good connection. It was a brilliant goal, and that put Man City up three uh, one, or excuse me, three nil. Yeah, three nil. Southampton would spoil the fun for just a second. Uh, a few minutes later, as uh, uh, Mara, but anyway, Sakumara brings them back to three one, and uh, uh, Julian Alvarez gets gets on the pitch and and creates a, a fourth goal to put Man City up four one. Absolutely flying this Manchester City team. They're going to give it all they can, aren't they, to chase Arsenal down uh, towards the end of the season. And even today, we saw in a Champions League battle against Bayern Munich, absolutely just lethal form this entire team. They're going to keep it up. Can Arsenal keep the distance? That's the question here for this title race. Uh, Justin, you like what you see from this game? Oh, of course. Anytime you win 4-1, to it's always good to see. Um, But talking about Jack Grealish for a second, Ever since Cancelo's left, it looks like he's back at Villa playing how he used to play in more of a free role now that uh, our inverted wingback is on the other side. Um, really looks good. I mean, if it wasn't for Holland, he might be uh, City's player of the season. Yeah, this yeah. new formation switch up, and like you said, with Cancelo leaving has really helped out Grealish a lot. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack Grealish has, has come a long way, and um, he, he, he t- like like we said, or like you said, Justin, it takes a year really to adapt to City, and, and he had that last year, which he was talked about, and this season he's really shown that he's come that he that he can do it, and that he's gonna do it. Uh, which hopefully he can keep it up, and and hopefully he can keep performing because not a better guy to to have good things going his way. Uh, so that was the title race talk. It, Arsenal sit five points ahead, uh, a game advantage. Uh, City's game in hand is West Ham. If they beat West Ham, they will go on to 70 points. They'll be – or not five points ahead, sorry, three, uh, six points ahead. They'll be three points behind Arsenal on even games played, and they have yet to play Arsenal. So that game may determine the title. Can't wait for that one. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll turn your attention now to the Champions League battle, which there's been a quite of a shakeup since the last time we talked. Third, sit Newcastle after what was an exhilarating game against Brentford. Two penalties in the first half. Um, and guys, I hate to be the one to say this, but Ivan Tony missed a penalty, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, he did. Um, this is first one ever missed, right? For in the Premier League, mm-hmm. or for Brentford? Yeah, That's correct. that was what thirty-two or thirty-three, right there. And God, guys, I mean. We all saw the penalty. That was just an awful take. That was just an awful take. I almost wondered if he had placed a long bet that Ivan Tony misses his next penalty, and he, he uh-huh. needed to make sure it came true. I'm just saying. Anyway, move on. He got his redemption, though, right before halftime uh, in the first minute of stoppage time. Brentford get given another penalty, and Ivan Tony buried that one. He even went the same direction, just with a little bit more power and a little bit better placement. Uh, Nick Pope, no chance. 1-0 Brentford going into the break. And, guys, Brentford, man, wow, what a team. And they looked really good, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, I mean, 
obviously, other than the two penalty shouts, they were still creating chances left and right wherever they could. Um, and in my opinion, really the better squad in the first half. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, halftime came and Eddie Howe made two changes, uh, brought off Longstaff and put on Callum Wilson, a second striker, and then took off Jacob Murphy and brought on Anthony Gordon. Uh, a 54th minute David Raya own goal and a 61st minute Alexander Izak uh, goal puts Newcastle up 2-1 inside of, uh, what's that, 15 minutes from halftime. Uh, a lead in which they would see out to win 2-1. That finds them sitting third place, guys, on 56 points. Uh, even number of games played as Manchester United, even number of points as Manchester United, but they have a 20, a plus 20 goal differential on Manchester United. Newcastle United, guys, have, we all kind of saw them dragging out and maybe not finding the top four at the end of the season. Are we still in that same are we still in that same mindset, or or the past two weeks shown that Newcastle may be able to get this done? Yeah, I've always been on the side that Newcastle's going to slip out of the top four, but, I mean, it's, it's looking like they're going to shut me up. Uh, they're starting yeah. to find these goals, which is huge, and that goal differential is just speaking volumes for them. That's going to come in crucial towards the end of this race with, like you said, Man United at plus seven and then Tottenham at uh, plus 13. That. That 27 is going to help them a lot. Yeah, seven goals in their last two games. I'm back to thinking that they're going to be a lot for Champions League next year. Yeah, I have to agree with Justin there. They're, 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 uh, I wanted them to be. I kind of had a feeling they would be. And then the past couple of weeks, I mean, since they since they lost that Carabao Cup final to Manchester United, they've been kind of tanking. They've been playing with that same form, that same lethalness. Now they look like a pretty good team. You know, I, I only really... I only really hope they lose one more game this season, and that's to the Toffees at Goodison Park, but we'll get to that. Uh, rounding out the top four uh, places right now are Manchester United. They had the early game on Saturday in which they took on the Goodison Park Toffees uh, at uh, uh, Old Trafford. A 2-0 win, which saw Manchester United uh, have 21 shots on goal in the first half. Uh, and, boy, guys, jeez, that's the third most by a team in one half of football in the Premier League era. 21 shots on goal. Uh, Manchester United, 2-0 winners uh, by a 36-minute Scott McTominay goal. He, he uh, carries on from his international form. And then a 71st-minute uh, Seamus Coleman mistake sees Marcus Rashford uh, pick up the ball and find uh, fresh off the bench and fresh from the injury list, Anthony Martial finished to uh, make it 2-0. Uh, Storylines from this game, guys. Uh, Rashford had to go off injured. Uh, not something you want to see if you're a Manchester United fan. Christian Eriksen back, and Casemiro done with the suspension. Give me your rundown right now, Justin. Manchester United from this game. What do you see good? What do you see bad? Where do you see him finishing? Oh, the worst thing is obviously Rashford out. So hopefully their goals don't dry out. But getting that midfield back healthy is going to be a big. Uh, thing for them um and i really see them finishing top four uh either third or fourth um i mean as a fan hopefully rashford isn't hurt for an extended period of time but uh it was a non-contact injury if i'm not mistaken and yeah groin 
Yeah, sometimes those tend to be the worst. Yeah, you hate to see that, especially for especially for such a good guy. I mean, Rasher's never been on anyone's bad side, I don't think, and, and he's a good guy. And you definitely, I mean, it's not that we don't hate to see Manchester United struggling, but it's definitely bad to see that. Uh, you, you know, this team, uh, they have depth. They can cover them for a while. Uh, you know, Jaden Sancho and uh, Wild Weghorst and Anthony and all, all the guys. I will say this, though, uh, from this game, one of the most interesting things that just blew my mind was Erickson Hogg, he put Bruno Fernandez as the defensive midfielder, that deep-lying midfielder who picked up the ball in front of all 11 players of Everton and just just dimed dime after dime after dime over the top finding players in behind i mean if if it weren't for jordan pickford and his heroics what what do you think the score line could have been well easily could have been like 5-0 an yeah. absolute battering an absolute yeah. battering what's that could have could have put uh, everton's goal differential with nottingham forest yeah, no, I mean it was that was it was brutal to watch. Trust me. And every time Pickford made a save, you just kind of have to like, like I just looked at I looked at my girlfriend. I'm like, wow. And she even said it after after a couple of them. She was like, wow, what is it? like? They're just it was crazy. Uh, to go into halftime only one nil down, incredible. But uh, Manchester United get a two nil win. Uh, Manchester United are, are in kind of in the same boat as Manchester City is. Uh, the the person they're chasing, the team they're chasing, aren't playing in any other competitions, whereas they're playing in the FA Cup, the Premier League, and a European Cup. Uh, Manchester United being in the Europa League and Manchester City being in the Champions League. Uh, so we'll see how that affects these teams. Eric Ten Hag over the week complaining about the schedule and how, how thick it is and how many games they have to play. No reason you should have to play three games in six days. What do you guys think about that? I mean, as we you know, we've never played 90-minute matches, but... Three 90-minute matches in six days, and that's a lot, even even with five subs. Welcome to the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, cry about it more is my opinion. Uh, if you want to yep. be one of the best teams in the world, that's just part of it. Well, I think I think this – like, last year it was more like three games in seven or eight days. Now with the World Cup condensing the schedules, I think the World Cup really screwed us or really screwed everyone. Um, but yeah, the, no love lost, especially with five substitutes in these deep squads in the top. top they have, players. yeah. Man United has such a deep squad too. Like you just said, he, he really should not be complaining. We'll move on probably to the most controversial game of the weekend. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur pick up three points. How I'm not sure. They faced Brighton Hove Albion at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and this one goes down as probably. Uh, this one goes down as one of those games where it, if you're a Premier League fan, just close your eyes and don't look. Because da David should have beaten Goliath, but Goliath got all the help from the referees, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, I mean, if you're a Tottenham fan, you have no right to cry about the refs the rest of the year. No, no chance. This is three points gifted to Tottenham Hotspur. We'll start with a 10-minute Sonmin Hong banger son giving us that that glimpse of what he was last season unfortunately he hasn't been able to carry that for him into this season but an absolute sh strike he cuts off from the left side of the box and puts one in the top right netting only to be pegged back by lewis dunk in the 34th minute 
Jot won one, uh, and then uh, Harry Kane finds the back of the net in the 79th minute, and the, the score would end uh, 2-1. But, guys, we don't, uh, we don't think the score should have been 2-1, do we? No, it should have been uh, 3-2 to two or 4-2 to two even. Yeah, there was a, a Kira Matoma goal that was uh, uh, chalked off due to a uh, handball. Um, the ball clearly hitting his shirt. Uh, it, it was kind of like an armpit, but it hit his shirt. It didn't hit the undershirt. It hit his shirt. And it's like, you know, the Premier League put out a graphic before the start of the season that if it hits uh, the shirt line on the bicep, above the shirt line on the bicep, that it's not a handball. Uh, but they chalked that one off. Um, and then just a... A clear penalty on uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg brings down Matoma again in the box, steps directly on his foot, slow motion replay. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, but it gets chalked off, or uh, the referee says no penalty, and VAR does not step in and ask him to review it. That was a clear and obvious mistake, was it not? Oh, yeah. Even, I mean, say you give, say you don't give that uh, Matoma uh, goal as far as it being a handball, okay, whatever. Maybe you didn't have the right angles or you couldn't tell because his undershirt was the same color as his jersey. Okay, but this this should have been an easy one. I mean, I mean he clearly stepped on the top, top of his foot. Should have been a pin. The handball, I mean, I could see like what they said, like with like Justin said, with the being the same undershirt color, but the other one, I don't know, man. That's Tough. Quite a pain for me. Do you think it was a red card? Red card? No, I think it was a penalty. I think it should have been a penalty. I think I think uh, they should have awarded a penalty for Brighton at when the game was still one-one, and I think uh, that Brighton should have finished the game two-one or at least two-two at the very minimum. If I'm being very generous, Spurs did not deserve anything from this game. I don't know how they got anything from it. Um, we can move on from that, though, to uh, sixth place. Guys, I just have to say, what a surprise it is to see this team in sixth place. Aston Villa holds down the sixth spot in the table. Granted, they have two games in hand over seventh place, and they have one game in hand over eighth place. But Aston Villa sit on 47 points. After being bottom at the start of the season, sacking their manager, hiring a new one, they have turned their season around. They find themselves sitting sixth place. And they had a pretty good victory this weekend as well. They faced Nottingham Forest uh, at the Villa Park. They had a really bad referee in Anthony Taylor, who is always a really bad referee. Uh, but Bertrand Jorori, not not a, that interesting of a first half, but Bertrand Jorori scores a 48th-minute goal straight into the second half, and then Ollie Watkins makes it uh, 2-0 in the 90th minute. Fellas, your thoughts on this one, as this was a this was a pretty good game, and, and this Aston Villa team has made one hell of a turnaround, haven't they? Yeah, Unai Emery's got this team rolling, that's for sure. Ollie Watkins is playing really good. I like him up top as a striker. Oh yeah, well, I mean, Ollie's got what seven and seven away games or something like that. Um, I mean, that's, his that's form crazy. is his form is impeccable right now. Um, but yeah, it was tight the first half, and then uh, what a shot! Or it's just how you want to start the second half with a goal from Bertrand right there for two and two for him. 
And what it does is it absolutely interjects Villa into this this European competition, doesn't it? I mean, could, could they fight for a year? Obviously, they're fighting for a European place. Could they find themselves finding a European place after the awful start they had? I mean, it's oh, nice yeah. to be the team with the uh, games already in. I mean, with the games already played and knowing where you're at in the table. So it's good to already be sitting at six with 30 games played. It's, um, it's going to be tough for these teams to catch them. I'm not sure if they can. I think because you got you obviously got teams like Brighton that just slipped up to Tottenham, so we're not sure if they'll slip up again. Now Liverpool, I think they will pass them, but I mean Brentford, that's a good question there. Brentford's already out thirty played, so that's a. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I I think they'll slip to seventh. That that's the worst. Yeah, especially if they continue the form that they've been on since uh, Emery came in. I mean. They're up there with the likes of Arsenal and Man City as far as most points scored in the Premier League. Yeah, they've been fighting hard. And uh, Unai Emery has the guys working in a uh, distinct pattern. I mean, it looks good. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, like, the answer to this team was a lot clearer than we all saw when Steven Gerrard was in charge. And that might have something to do with the way Steven Gerrard runs his locker room, huh? Yeah, maybe. I mean, one of the biggest things is figuring out how uh, Buendia uh, and Bailey can fit into that team as they're both quality players. It's just Gerard didn't have them play in, uh, in the positions that they needed to for this team to succeed. Yeah, both high-quality players, also both kind of expensive players too as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll we'll look a little bit further down the table as we've already talked about Brighton and Liverpool uh, and Brentford. Fulham find themselves in tenth place on thirty nine points. Guys, are Fulham in a free fall? Yeah, that red card to Mitrovic is going to screw them over. Much, yeah. I mean, I mean, he he kind of deserved it for what he did, but I mean, I don't know if he deserved that big of a suspension. He definitely deserved a red card. Do y'all think he deserved what he get? An eight game suspension? Yeah, he got he got eight games. Do you think he deserved that? I okay. I think one hundred percent. You should never put your, put your hands on the official. You should never put your hands on an official. And there's a lot of times where the the Premier League this season has been trying to stamp out this crowding of the referees. When when players disagree with something, or they they need a they want a yellow card on an opposing player, or they want a red card for any reason, you see the players all surround the referee and try to make their case. Which I understand. I mean, you know, that's the judge. You get around them and you you, you plead your case. For me, guys, if Mitrovic is an eight game band, then any contact with a referee in an aggressive manner needs to be an eight-game ban. He did nothing other than – okay, sorry. He did nothing more than – all right, so his was very aggressive. Never mind. I, I take that back. He, he did a lot more than than a lot of other players have done this season. But what he did was aggressive. He, he aggressively grabbed the referee and turned him around to talk to him. That's unacceptable. Eight games is eight games. That's what the Premier League decided. I personally would have gave him five, but I'll take eight. Yeah, I was saying I was gonna say five. I think five was a number that's good to set for that kind of contact. Obviously, if you put your hands on a ref and he did, then it becomes more than like I think it should be bumped up to a ten. Then, but yeah, I think five is good for what he did. 
Dude, what do you yeah, say? Yeah, I'd even say a little bit more lenient in uh, three to five. Any of those I'd be okay with, but eight's just far too many, for, in my opinion. Like, this is just going to completely screw over the great season that Fulham started. Yeah, I mean, Vinicius, um, just, I mean, he's good, yeah, but he's not Mitrovic level. But you can say what you want to say. Yeah. And this was all just to, what, to make a point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was arguing. He was arguing Willen's red card. He wanted Willian to yeah. not have a red card for an obvious use of the hands. Yeah, um, was, so just, I mean, that's, it's just. I don't. I, I just. I don't see how you can make eight seem like the right length. Yeah, eight's long. But they decided. I mean, I'm not going to argue it. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see how the Premier League can make that argument. That's all. Um, we can move on to the game at hand, though. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. It was a, it was a big talking point. Fulham lost one 0 to West Ham, and West Ham being one of those teams in that relegation battle, uh, Fulham didn't even seem to lay a glove on them. I mean, they're missing their they're missing their main man. Uh, it just shows to, it goes to show the reason Fulham got relegated two years ago is because Mitrovic was not playing at the level he could play. The reason they're doing so well this season is because Mitrovic is playing at the level he is playing. And then they've also signed Pereira and Paulinha and, and people to go around them. Uh, Fulham will finish comfortably mid-table and we'll have another run at it next season and maybe they can get Mitrovic's temper in check. Uh, but just... Hey, hey just, that's an extra $3 million coming into Arsenal right there for Fulham staying in the Premier League for Leno. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice, man. $3 million's definitely going to yep. budget yeah. a lot. Yeah, hey, anything else? Just, just wanted to point that out there. Continue. That's right. Uh, a one 0 loss to West Ham, uh, guys. What what did what did we see out of this game? It, w- it was kind of one of those games where it was like, ah, yeah, not really all that interesting. Harrison Reed own goal in the twenty third minute separates the two teams. Uh, West Ham looked the better of the teams though, and they looked to have rallied around David Moyes. Does this, does this bring West Ham to that comfortable position we've been talking about? How they they're they're going to get out of this and finish mid table? Yeah, um, I thought they would be in, like we all thought they'd be in the relegation battle the whole season, but I thought it'd be more because they're focusing on the Europa Conference League. But it seems like they're seem to start focusing on the Premier League finally and starting to get on out of it. Their um, their goal differential always said that they shouldn't have been in it, so I'm glad to see them finally getting out of it. Yeah, and they've got nine games to get. I mean, you'd say 36 is almost safe. So if they could win two of their last nine, um, I mean, they'd probably still be in the relegation battle at that point, but it could see them through. I will move down the table uh, again to uh, none other than uh, Chelsea Football Club, another team that seemed to be in a, 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 a just absolute free fall. Uh, since the last time we spoke, um, Chelsea have now ha- sacked their second manager of the season and hired their third manager of the season. Because we talked about it in the last podcast, and I don't think anybody could have foresaw. I think we we thought it could happen, but we we didn't we weren't willing to to bet it would. Todd Bowley has given up on his long term manager, uh, the person he paid twenty million dollars for to come from a team in the Premier League to coach his team. Um, and gave him a five-year contract. He sacked him. He said, goodbye, Grand Potter. Uh, your magic is no more. You are now a muggle. See you later. 
he brought it none other than uh, Frank Lampard, uh, ex ex Chelsea manager, ex Everton manager, and now new Chelsea manager. Um, and in Frank Lampard's first game in charge, it was quite underwhelming. Uh, where Chelsea lose one nil to a, a brilliant Matthias Nunes strike. Don't take anything away from Wolves' performance here. Great game, boys. Who? Let's let's do a poll. We're gonna do a Twitter poll after this podcast. Who had the better summary of Chelsea Football Club? Give me your summary right now. As a club. At just the season and the club and the direction and 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 what's what's your what's your summary of Chelsea Football Club right now? Uh, in one word, just abysmal. I mean, it seems like Todd Bowley took over this team and is going complete FIFA manager mode on them. And I mean, really, you bring in Frank Lampard whenever Nagelsmann gets sacked uh, a few days before, so he's available. Posh is available. Um, you got plenty of world class managers available, and you don't sign any of them. You bring back somebody. You, the team sacked a couple years back. It just doesn't make any sense as far as yeah. the long-term rebuild. Yeah, you're bringing in a lot of young players, but it seems, I mean, for all the money you spent, there's still not a true world-class number nine in the team. I mean, yeah, Bami Yang's in it, but, but he's old. He's past his prime. Um, I just don't understand uh, what's going on at the club. Yeah, dude, it, it, it's very interesting what's going on in Chelsea right now, man. Like you, like Justin said, they got all this young talent in, but they're not willing to stick it with a stick with a coach that could develop and grow with this young talent. They're going to a caretaker manager that is Frank Lampard, and they've already stated that he's only there just till the summer till they could find another manager. Well, why not go after one of these big managers that are out there right now? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, they got. Uh, Christopher and uh, I can never say his last name and Goku or whatever and Goku from RD Leipzig coming in, yeah, and then Malo Gusta from uh, Lyon coming in. Two more big time young talents, uh, both French players. So it'd be interesting to see. Maybe they try to go after a uh, a French uh, manager. Do y'all know who I'm thinking of? Didier Deschamps. Yeah, I was thinking of Zidane. Justin got it right. Uh, I don't. Oh, I mean, Zidane could, but Zidane. All right, so BJ, your your one sentence summary of Chelsea Football Club this season and under new management, under new ownership. Justin said, um, and the man, owner, the owner Todd, um, what's his last name? Bully, Bully, Bully. That uh, when you when I look at it, that's not how I would pronounce it. But okay, uh, Bully. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's just undecided on what he wants to do. I'm going to use a, a metaphor as my description of Chelsea Football Club. I'd say Chelsea Football Club is like a drunk driver getting behind the wheel of an Aston Martin DB9. Like, this guy has come in. He bought the club from Roman Abramovich who had to sell because of Russia invading Ukraine. Um, he he gave 
the old manager three weeks, and and the old manager left him on red after he asked him to play a four four three formation, which is obviously never going to work because you know that's twelve people. Uh, and then and then he sacked him, and then he looked for the greatest manager in English football, or, or the most exciting manager in English football was Grant Potter, who was way out of his depth. I mean, Grant Grant Potter's a great manager. Don't get me wrong. But he's never dealt with the personalities and the limelight that is Chelsea. And then after guaranteeing that they were going to give him over and over again, they're going to give him time. They're going to give him time. They're going to they're going to give him the summer. Get the team right. Get the tactics right. Get the. They sack him off of a knee jerk reaction to a couple bad results. I mean, I get it. Chelsea Football Club should never be eleventh place in the Premier League. This should never be tenth place in the Premier League, barring the first six weeks. But I, I mean, come on! Like this is just this is just child's play at this point. It's like a drunk driver getting b- behind the wheel of an Aston Martin GB9. You know what I'm saying? It's like a nice car, a nice program. It's like if Jack Sparrow would if Jack Sparrow would have found the Black Pearl blackout drunk and he would have taken it out of the harbor and crashed it, like. You've got the perfect situation. You've got lots of great young talent. And then you signed Frank Lampard. What has Frank Lampard done in the past four years that has made anyone go, wow? You know, well, at Chelsea, at Chelsea, he did perform pretty well with all that young talent in a transfer ban. He got all that young talent performing, playing pretty well. And then when the transfer window opened up, what happened? I mean, but they can't. They can't um, make any transfers right now. Sign anyone, so maybe it's the person. Yeah, to bring so it up. that's my next. That's my next question. What? How? How is Chelsea not in FFP trouble? And it, are they going to be? What? Do you, what is your opinion on that? I mean, obviously, we don't know their financials. We'll know them at the end. We'll know them in March of next year. But they, they have got to have taken at least a seven hundred million dollar loss this season. Well, I mean, to bring they won the Champions League two years ago, so that still comes into play this year. They uh, a new ownership takeover that has to give them some money to play with. So I, I don't think they'll go into financial fair play rules. They spent they spent five hundred million dollars on transfers. Go ahead, Justin. I don't understand how they have. I mean, I don't understand how they haven't gone into FFP. Rules considering how they spent at least six hundred million on players and probably over fifty in managers. Well, you got to think the um, two of those players that they spent a bunch of money on, they're not with the club yet, so I don't think they've technically have counted those. So when those players come in onto the books, they can sell players in the summer as well. Which obviously they're got to sell a bunch of players this summer. Yeah, so those two will come in uh, July first, which is the new year. But, I mean, they spent $500 million this year. They have to pay out Tuchel's contract, which was a large contract. And now they have to pay off the rest of the four years of Grand Potter's contract. I mean, anyways, this club's in just absolute disaster. I would not want to be involved in that. Y'all uh, have any bets on where Grand Potter's going to go? I can give you one. Where Let's are you going? Back to Brighton. No when way. De- when Deserby when goes somewhere else. I mean, do you see Deserby leaving this summer? Yeah, I do. Really? Mm -hmm. I mean, I personally don't consider he's got the team playing as well as they do. I can see Deserby going to Tottenham. I mean. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe. That might be the only place. Tottenham definitely needs a a very – 
They need a new management group. But anyways, we can't talk about every team for two hours because that would just get too long. I mean, yeah, we can move they, on to the next game. I'm sorry. Tottenham have hired Tottenham have hired, hired serial winners at, that have won trophies at every other team, and then they come to Tottenham and they don't win a trophy, and then they leave Tottenham and win a trophy. It's just, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. But we won't focus on that. We'll focus on uh, Chelsea. We're done with them. Thirty nine points. Sitting on thirty games, they're tied for or they're tied with the tenth place team Fulham, but they have played an extra game, uh, and uh, really looking like a strong mid table finish, and they're going to need a big push next year. Move to twelfth place, Crystal Palace, uh, a team we haven't talked about yet. Uh, sacked their manager and hired a new one, and it's been the right decision. Can we say that? Is that fair? Yeah, man. Um, I question Roy Hudson on how he's going to get these. Young guns to play, and boy, does he have them playing. Was it Olise was the um, first player to have a hat trick for his age? And I can't remember how long. Who what was the stat I saw? It was a hat trick of assists. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Hat trick of assists. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like for his age, it's insane. He's he's not even uh, he's twenty one. So yeah, pretty good. It's one, the, it's one of those things where it was like under Vieira. I mean, he he, he was just struggling. So difficult. He uh, he was not playing very well, and then he comes in, and now he's just I, balling I, out. He's got a goal guess, and three assists. I guess you could say it's um uh Vieira wanted them to play how he wanted them to play, and H- Roy Hudson's ha- playing them play how so free how they want to play. So just letting them go, just letting them yeah. do them, and and they're really exactly. showing it. To, to be honest, I mean they went down one nil at Ellen Road to Leeds uh, in the twenty first minute. Uh, and it was just, I mean, Leeds were the better team for the majority of the first half. Uh, and then off of a corner kick, Mark Gahey gets a, gets a, uh, a goal uh, right before halftime in stoppage time at halftime and Ellen Road just, just lost it. I mean, 53rd minute, Jordan Ayu, 55th minute, Iberichi Eche, and then 69th minute, Utsan Eswar, uh, finds Crystal Palace. Five one winners. I'm sorry, I forgot one. Seventy seven minute Jordan Ayu finds Crystal Palace five one winners at Ellen Road against Leeds United. Guys, this Crystal Palace team has shown that the new manager bounce is 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 worth it, and and they have found their place at the top of the relegation battle where they really had been all season. They were just then getting sucked in when they sacked. Uh, Patrick Vieira, and now they're uh, now they're back at it like a bad habit. Justin, what do you what do you think of this Palace team? Um, yeah, Saturday or Sunday they really look good. Um, after going down a a tough place to play in Ellen Road, um, Elise with the three assists. Uh, that can't be uh just left unmentioned, but um. It re- to me, this Palace team looked a lot better without Zaha on the field. It seemed like the constant um, complaining and whining whenever things didn't go his way uh, was really hurting them, in my opinion. And you bring on somebody who's been a leader for a long time in uh, IU, and they just really – it looked a more, com- more complete squad than with Zaha on the field, in my opinion. Oh. I found my stat, by the way, fellas. He's the youngest player in Premier League history to grab a hat trick of assist from open play. Nice. But yeah, I agree with yeah. your Zaha. I agree with your Zaha. I mentioned. I mean, when he's in form, he's great. 
when he's not, he is just a dire to have on the field. Yep, he hurts and the team so much. He brings the team down. He destroys the mentality, and it makes a very yeah. difficult play. It's uh, like Chris he Ballard, gets, it's like really like butt hurt. I want to, I want to say almost. Yeah, no, it's just no fun. Crystal yeah. Palace have found themselves back on the uh, top of this relegation battle. They sit thirty three points on thirty games. That is a. Uh, Two points uh, above their uh, chasers, which we will have to wonder, who just won versus Chelsea. So uh, those two clubs, kind of how we, kind of how we thought, have found their way out of this battle. I mean, they're still at the top half of the battle, but they've, you know, I mean, obviously, Crystal Palace are still, uh, actually, Crystal Palace are six points away from the drop. So I think they're pretty good. I think they're pretty safe. Uh, Wolves sitting on thirty-one points in thirteenth place. Are uh, four points away from the drop, uh, where West Ham, who we've talked about as well, who got a really big win at Fulham, uh, have a game in hand. That game being City, by the way, uh, but they have a game in hand. They sit on thirty points, and they're uh, three points away from the drop. Yeah, Bournemouth, uh, a massive, massive win uh, this weekend. A relegation battle threat. Uh, a team that we all have going down, uh, or had going down, I'll see what your opinions are after the, this performance, uh, they pick up a 1-0 win against uh, Brendan Rodgers' lesser side. Or was, was Brendan Rodgers was already sacked, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. They pick up, a, was... they pick up a 1-0 win against a uh, Brendan Rodgers' lesser side. Uh, and, and this is, by the way, at the King Power Stadium, uh, Leicester City losing uh, 1-0 to Bournemouth. Uh, that goal was a Philip Billing uh, gift from James Madison to put them up one nil, and then and then Bournemouth held on. Um, does this game change anything for you guys, or do you still see Bournemouth slipping back into that relegation battle? Uh, this is a great question, Jack. I've been thinking about this game and Leicester. Yeah, with... uh, yeah, yeah. I want to. Obviously, I would love to replace Leicester and Bournemouth or swap them in the table, but. With the signing um, that Lester just made, or the hiring that Lester just made at the manager and Dean Smith, does not put a lot of confidence in that team. And for me, I don't think I just I, I can't move them from that 19th spot. Maybe I can move them up to the 18th, but I really don't see how they're going to get out of this relegation zone, fellas. What do y'all think about the hiring of Dean Smith, Justin? Yeah, I personally think Lester's going to go down now. Um, I mean, his record is god-awful um, in the Premier League, and we're looking at Leicester going down and a mass exodus as far as uh, the quality in their team this next year. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of cheap signings. But, Jack, what do you think about the Dean Smith hiring? It's just so sad, guys, because, I mean, all right, first of all, the Dean Smith hiring – I mean, he got Aston Villa promoted, and he's been a, he was a decent manager for Aston Villa. His mistake was um, when he sold Jack Grealish, and the people he bought didn't fit his system. I think the director of football, or the director of recruiting, bought those players, and uh, Leon Bailey and, and uh, 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 the Argentinian, uh, what's his name? Number Buendia. Jimmy Buendia. Uh, and I, you know, the I don't think the 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 hierarchy of the club and the manager lined up, and and unfortunately, that was his time to go. 
I don't think he's a terrible manager. Um, I just think it's too little too late. Leicester City's got to read the room a lot earlier. I mean, they're Fofana, Fofana kind of screwed them at the beginning of the season by leaving, by demanding the transfer to Chelsea. But at no point should one player be able to completely destroy your club. Uh, and, and I'm going through it currently with my club and, and, and how Dominic Calvert-Lewin hasn't been able to get a kick of the ball recently because he's been so injured and it's, it's, compa- it's impacting us greatly. But I'm going to cut that out. But, I mean, with Leicester, with Leicester City, I mean, they lose one center back and all of a sudden they can't stop goals from going in the back of the net. I mean, that's just that's blasphemous. They have 52 goals against, guys. That's third worst in the Premier League. And this is a team that won the FA Cup last year. And Wesley Fafana now can barely get on the pitch for Chelsea. I mean, it's just, it's brutal. It, it's awful. Gene Smith looks like a desperate, get us out of this, please. We need your help kind of hire. I'm surprised they didn't hire Rafa Benitez. <laughs> that would have made me laugh even more. But, um, you know, we since this is the last game of, of our talking, we can talk about the relegation battle now because we're here. Um, Bournemouth sit on 30 points after 30 games played, uh, and, and they sit in 15th place. Uh, Leeds sit on 29 points. Uh, 30 games played in 16th place. Everton sit 27 points, 30 games played in 17th place. And then the drop zone is Forest on 27 points in 30 games, Leicester on 25 points in 30 games, and Southampton on 23 points in 30 games. Here's how I see it, and I want your opinion on this if I'm if I'm if I'm just hopeful or if I'm I'm crazy. I see Everton seven or excuse me, Everton 16th, Leeds 15th. And then Bournemouth, Forest, Leicester fighting for 17th, 18th, and 19th, and then Southampton will obviously hold up the lot 20th. That's how I, that's how I see it. I think this is I think so, this is a th- I think this is a three way fight for Forest, uh, Leicester, and Bournemouth. So you think Everton and Leeds both make their way out of this pack in nine games? I mean, eight games. Yeah, yeah. Person, I mean, I just I, yeah, I do. What do y'all think? What do you see? I think I think it's gonna be. Six teams all the way to the end. I think West Ham is, and Wolves are going to get their way out of that pack. I think the Leeds and Everton are both going to stay in it. They might finish that. They might finish where you said, but I don't think they're going to get out of the, the relegation battle. Interesting. Yeah. Just what do you think? I mean, yeah. I agree with what BJ just said. I think it's going to be fifteen through nineteen. You could pick any two out of the hat, and yep, they could finish any other way. Okay. Barring the last result for Leeds, which was obviously a just horrendous performance and, and one that we'll, we'll chalk up to a new manager bounce. Since Javi Garcia came into the team, okay, they beat relegation opponents Southampton 1-0. They lost to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge 1-0, which was a very close game they didn't deserve to lose. They tied 2-2 with Brighton at Ellen Road. They beat Wolves 4-2. They lost to league leaders Arsenal four to one, and then they beat relegation opponents Nottingham Forest two to one. Obviously, a really bad result against Crystal Palace in five to one. Uh, but I see, I see a turn of the tide there. Um, they they look a better team. They look like they're they they look more organized, and they look obviously def- defense is a problem. And there's absolutely zero reason that you give up a goal right before halftime and you go into halftime at home one one that you give up four goals in the second half. Uh, but I see Leeds turning the corner. I see I see their form picking up just a little bit, obviously, the barring the last game. 
Everton, uh, the performances and the form have turned completely around. Uh, barring this Manchester United result, which I think uh, Sean Dyche got wrong by bringing on Ellis Sims and asking Damari Gray to play Abdullah Decore's role, which is just, uh, it was ugly to see. I mean, he played a high line against Manchester United and they got in behind us. I mean, how many times? You know, like, they, again, 21 shots on goal in the first half was just brutal. Can't have that. Um, but barring that, Everton have been in decent form. They were four games unbeaten before that game. And, and and we the way we've played has been a lot better than what we played under Frank Lampard. A 1-1 draw with Spurs after being down 1-0. A 2-2 draw to Chelsea after going down 1-0 and going down 2-1. You don't see us coming back from behind very often. A 1-0 win versus Brentford. Uh, a 2-2 draw against Nottingham Forest, which I think we should have gotten point, more points out of. Uh, obviously, a just destroyed by Arsenal at the Emirates and then... An unfortunate game where we got a bad call and then we went for it. And, uh, but a 1-0 no win against Leeds. I just think there's a uh, there's a pickup in form and there's a pickup of in, uh, in in performances from Everton. And I think there may be a chance they sneak their way out of this. Uh, upcoming games, we play Fulham on Saturday, who are in a free fall. No, no Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, and then uh, we play Crystal Palace next Saturday, who on a new manager bounce, and we have to play them at their stadium. That'll be a difficult game. Uh, it'll be a fun game to watch. That actually could be explosive. Um, and then we have Newcastle at home on a Thursday night underneath the lights. Come on now. Leicester City would go to Leicester, which is a chance for three points because Leicester are not playing very well. That'll be a, uh, a relegation battle determining fight. And then uh, Brighton, Man City, Wolves, and Bournemouth. We won't, you know, we, we can catch up on those later. I just Bournemouth don't have the quality. They don't have the talent, right? We don't see them getting out of this, do we? No. I mean, that's never even been an yeah. argument. Okay, so Bournemouth don't get out of it. Who gets out of it then? So we have Southampton and Bournemouth going out. Who gets out of it? Leicester City, Forest, Everton, or Leeds? I mean, are those four? Oh, I are those talking out of the relegation battle? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, out of the out of the relegation, out, out, who 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 stays up in the Premier League next year is what I'm asking. Okay, yeah, that's what you're asking. Okay, who's my three going down? Obviously, Southampton. I mean, uh, the way Leicester's playing right now, I got to say Leicester, and then um, yeah, it's down to Bournemouth and Everton. I think Leeds stay up. You think Forest are safe? Oh yeah, and I got Forest. So yeah, I guess I got Leicester in my 18th right now. So you're saying Southampton? Yes, I got Southampton, Forest, Leicester as of right now. Sue? Yeah, as of right now, I have the three bottom as it stands when Forest, Leicester, and Southampton. Um, But talking about Everton's games remaining, uh, y'all haven't looked too good going away. um, That's very true. That's very true. Though your weaker opponents – just so happened to be away. So that's part of the reason why I have y'all still in that fight. Um, and it really could come down to goal differential this year. I mean, it helps that y'all are uh, minus 20 rather than Bournemouth mi- minus, minus 29 or Forest minus 30. Yeah, yeah. Lester's, got a, Lester's got a nice goal differential, only minus 12. 
So we'll start off with the match predictions for match week 31 next week. We'll start first with the 7.30 matchup where it is Newcastle traveling to Villa Park to take on Aston Villa. Jack, who do you got in this one? Oh, man, this is a really tough one. Like I said, it's a really good matchup. Uh, both teams in flying, super hot form. I got Newcastle coming out of here 2-1 winners. Yeah, Justin? this might be game of the week. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go – just because Newcastle's found goals with seven in their last two, I'm going to go Newcastle also two to one. Yeah, I, I could um, see Newcastle uh, getting a dub here, but I'm going to go with um, Aston Villa getting a big-time draw and continuing this uh, ride they're on. I'm going to go betting, with a 2-2 draw for Villa. Betting Newcastle to draw a game is actually a really good bet, so good call there, BJ. Yeah. Um, we'll move right along to the first 10 o'clock game on my schedule, which is uh, Brighton traveling to Stamford Bridge to take on Chelsea. Jack, we'll start off again with you. What do you got in this one? Well, uh, we'll call this the Grand Potterless Derby. Um, I will go with a famous uh, 2-1 Brighton victory because I know Frank Lampard does not know how to stop Roberto De Zerbi's Brighton team. 2-1 Brighton. Yeah, I'm gonna go 2-0 Brighton. Um, the way they've been playing, uh, I feel like they're gonna come out really hot considering they got shitted out of one this past week. So two nil Brighton. Yeah, um I think Chelsea's gonna uh pick up this one, fellas. Um I think uh Frank Lampard's gonna get a dub underneath this belt and might get Chelsea team rolling. Uh I'm gonna go with uh Chelsea winning this one three one. Mm. We'll move mm. right on to the next ten o'clock game. <laughs> sure. The, uh, we'll, it's uh, Crystal Palace traveling to St. Mary's Stadium to take on Southampton. Justin, we'll start with you on this one. Who you got in this one? I'm gonna go with Palace. Um, they looked really good this past weekend, and I think it uh, carries over. Um, as I'm pretty sure Zaha will be out, so I feel like the It'll be more of a Crystal Palace team that travels away to Southampton this weekend. Um, as far as scoreline, I'll say three to one with the famous James Ward Prowse free kick goal. Nice Wait, if he there. scores, hold on, hold on, time out, Jack, before you go. If he scores a free kick, does he tie Beckham's record? Or does he have to get like two more? I don't know, actually. I know he's pretty damn close. What a player, though. Yeah. Um, I will say uh, another Crystal Palace. I think they thwart Southampton and just take the piss out of them. I'm going to go 3-1 as well. Yeah, I think uh, Crystal Palace is rolling right now, and they'll stop Southampton even though Southampton's home. Um, Yeah, I'll stick with and go 3-1 with y'all as well. Um, We'll move right along to the next game, and it's going to be uh, Brentford going to – I'm not even going to try to pronounce your stadium because I know I'll butcher it, even though I've heard it a million times. Molyneux Stadium, whereas Wolves. So we got Brentford taking on Wolves. Jack, we'll start with you. Yeah, this is a tough one, uh, but Brentford are just too good of too good of a team. I'm gonna go two 0 Brentford. Yeah, this is a tough one for me too. Um, but I think I'm gonna go with. Another one nil Wolves win. Wow. 
Germathon.com. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I got uh, I got a draw happening in this one, fellas. I think Woods is playing uh, pretty good right now, and Brentford's playing pretty good as well, even though they just lost. Um, yeah, we'll go with a draw. We'll go two two draw here. We'll go right on to the next game, and it is going to be Bournemouth traveling to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to take on the Spuds. Jack, we'll start with you. Who do you got in this one? Uh, I got Spurs two 0 Yeah, the quality in the Spurs team is hard to bet against. Uh, whenever Bournemouth is coming to town, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Spurs. Mind yeah, you, the you reverse. Sorry, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jack. mind you, the, mind you, the reverse fixture of this game. Uh, Bournemouth were up two 0 and Spurs came back to tie it three three or win it three two. Something like that. Okay. I remember it was an electric matchup the last time they faced off, and I think uh, the good old Spuds came back because we were all like, no way, they're about to lose this one, and then they came back and did the thing that they always do where Harry Kane does his thing and everyone gets mad. Anyways. Yeah, Todd oh, yeah. Uh, came yeah. back and won. Here you go. 22nd minute, Kiefer Moore, 1-0 Bournemouth. 49th minute, Kiefer Moore, 2-0 Bournemouth. 57 minutes, Sessegnon. Uh, 73 minute Ben Davis, and then a 90th plus minute Rodrigo Bentancourt to win the game 3 2. Just classic spreads, anyways. BJ, your thoughts, your comments, your concerns. Um, yeah, I think uh, Tottenham uh rolls over Bournemouth comfortably in this one. Uh, we'll go with Harry Kane and Song getting another one. We'll go 2 0. Tottenham keep, keeping a clean sheet. Uh, uh, Lloris is back, and I know last week was his first game back, so it'll be nice to get a clean sheet underneath his belt with him being back finally. Um, so we'll move right along to the next game, and it is a big one for Jack here. It is going to be Fulham traveling to Goodison Park to take on Everton. Jack, we'll start with you since it's a, your team. Justin, I'll hear what you have to say first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Mitrovic being, being out – uh, as we talked about, definitely hurts Fulham. And the uh, dice ball for Everton has been playing well. So I'm going to go with the hot hand in Everton, even though that they lost this past weekend. Um, I'm going to say it's either 1-0 or 2-1. to one. You want me to go, Jack, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to go. Yeah, I'll agree with Justin on this one, uh, especially with the Mitrovic red card. I think that's just hurting Fulham too much right now. They really can't find anybody up top to replace them. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Everton on this one, and I'm going to go, hmm, do it. Does Everton keep a clean sheet at full, I mean, at home against Fulham? I don't think so. I'm going to go 2-1 Everton. I'll do a, a infamous dice ball 1-0 victory for Everton at home against against Fulham. Uh, and yeah, I think we take three points off of them. All right, so we'll move right along to the next game, and it's the 12-30 game for Saturday. It is Man City taking on Leicester. Man City's home in this one. So, Justin, since it's your team, I'll start with you, unless you want us to go first. Yeah, y'all can go first. <laughs> I'll start off first in this one. Um, I think Man City went comfortably. I can see 3-0, Y'all take a pick between those three. I got 3-1 City on this one. Since we went to Palace and struggled for a 1 0 win, we've won 7 0, 6 0, uh, 4 1, 4 1, and now 3 0. And that last, wow. this last one came in the Champions League against Bayern, who's top three best club in the world at the current moment. And 
uh, seeing Lester's run of forms four draws or four losses and one draw in their last five, I'm going to definitely go with the hot hand in City. Um, if I had to guess, I'm going to say another four to one win. Yeah, so we'll move right along to the next game. The most important game of Match Week 31, it is Arsenal traveling to London Stadium to take on West Ham. Um, Justin, I'll start with you on this one. Arsenal 2-0. All righty, Jack. I got Arsenal 1-0. Yeah, fellas, this is a, a nervy game for me. Um, I don't know if uh, Saliba's going to be playing. I'm don't think he will be. I know he's slowly, slowly getting to the point where he could play a game, I think, and I don't know if we want to waste it for the West Ham game. So I believe we're going to sit him for this one. And it's uh, scaring me. Uh, man, holding away. Oh, God. <coughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say we'll get the win, but it's going to be a nervy one. I'm going to go 2-1. We score a late goal. Um. We'll go right along to the second to last game of the week. It's the last game for Sunday. It is Manchester United traveling to the city ground, Nottingham Forest. Jack, we'll start with you. Man, this is a good one because Nottingham Forest is decent at city ground, but Manchester United are in pretty good form. Rashford will probably sit this one out, no doubt. Uh, and then they also have Europa League action the next week after, so they have to take that into consideration. But I think Eric Tung Hogg's men get a pretty good win here. I'm going to go 2 0, Man United. Yeah, I think I think United squeak one out um, without Rashford. Um, I'm going to say a late goal to win it either 1-0 or 2-1. Um, and I'm talking probably 80th minute on, maybe even later. Yeah, I see um... – I see Manchester United winning this one, but it could be a nervy one. Uh, Nottingham Forest has got goals in them with uh, Brendan Johnson. I can see him scoring one, possibly assisting another one. I think uh, United will end up winning, but it's going to be like a 3-2 shootout thrilling game, in my opinion. That'll be a good one to watch. Uh, So we'll go right along to the last game of the week. It is a Monday game. It is Liverpool traveling to Ellen Road to take on Leeds. Justin, we'll start with you on this one. Oh, man, this is a tough one to call. I mean, as we just saw, Liverpool show up against the better opponents. But then, I mean, they lost to Forrest earlier this year and did yeah. just lose to them pretty badly. Um, so I'm going to call a draw in this one, 2-2 two, two draw. Jack? Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 two, uh, two, Liverpool in this one. This is a, this is a really good game, but I just – Liverpool have, Liverpool have shown that they can do it, and I think they, they'll get away with it. Yeah, um, a couple of pods ago, probably more than a couple, a few, probably three or four ago, I said Liverpool was going to make a run, and they were going to potentially maybe even get that top four spot, uh, the fourth spot. But I think Liverpool's continuing it here. They just uh, had a big-time draw against Arsenal, and I think they're going to get a, a big-time win, uh, win here on the road at Ellen Road. It's going to be a big win for them. I think Liverpool wins 3-1, maybe even 3-0. Big win for Liverpool. Jack, you want to round this out? Yeah, I guess I can. Uh, we appreciate you sticking around, hanging out for another round of uh, tackling the Premier League podcast. Look, you're sticking around. You've been with us all season. We're not stopping. We're not going anywhere. All we care about is bringing you the best coverage of the Premier League that we have to offer, and we just love chatting shit about it. So. 
you got anything you want to say, you got anything you want to add, you got anything you want to disagree with us on, we'd love to hear. Trust me, there's nothing more in this world that BJ loves than to argue. So please, please, send us your rebuttals. Send us your, your favoritism. We want to hear it. Also, guys, we'd love to get together. We'd love to shout you out. Hit us up. Holler at us. Hit that follow button. Give us five stars. Tell us what you think. We love it. Appreciate everyone listening. And uh, as always, up the toffees, guys. Yeah, thank you for making it this far. It means a lot. Yeah, we'll see you next time. All right.